morning church family. Uh, it's a privilege for me to stand and uh, share the word of God. Um, this morning, shall we turn our Bibles to Luke 23, from verses 39 to If you found the scriptures, I will read from my uh, New International Version, my NIV. One of the criminals who hung there held insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Let us pray. We thank you, our Father, for inspiring these words that today we might stand and listen to, to you. We are so grateful, O oh God, for preserving these words and what they mean to us. I pray, Lord, for clarity of speech and we pray, Lord, for hearts that are willing to listen. Help us, O oh God. Oh, how much I pray that Christ may be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, this morning I want to talk about uh, Christ as our hope of salvation. Uh, I want to basically dwell on uh, the main text, which will be verse 43, uh, which says, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. It was not a coincidence that the Lord of glory would be born in a stinking stable surrounded by beasts and being received in a manger. It was neither an accident that he would die a shameful death between criminal outcasts from society. God had spoken about these things like I've repeatedly said. 800 years before, through the prophet Isaiah, if you read and reread Isaiah 53, you will see that that prophecy gets fulfilled in Christ. In Isaiah 53, verse 12, Isaiah tends then to say, when he's looking and prophesying about Christ and the, of the work which he had done, he says, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. God was exalting him because he was numbered with the transgressors. So we can see that when Christ is 
hanging on the cross. He is being numbered with the transgressors. This had been prophesied well before. We also see, when we look from the uh, disciples during the time when the church was being persecuted in Acts 4, verse 28, it sums it up when the prayer was being made, when the disciples united together in prayer. They pray this prayer and they say in, in that prayer, they did what your, prayer, your, your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. In that prayer we see this confession that they acknowledge that the way Christ was treated, it had been foretold and it was within the uh, uh, the, uh, the decree of the Lord. What God had said would happen, it had to happen that way. So it was not an accident that Christ was born in a stable. It was not an accident that Christ would hang on the cross together with the worst sinners which you can ever think in the world. Now, the response of Christ as he labored in death on the cross while Christ was dealing with our sin on the cross and the way he spoke to the repented thief, it gives us what is normally called the second saying of Christ on the cross. When Christ in verse 43 says, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. It is normally taken as the second word that Christ said when he was uh, uh, um, hanging on the cross from the response that Christ gives to this repentant thief there's a great a great great hope for us as Christians the hope of salvation this is a word of hope it is a word of assurance it is something to rejoice for for our faith will go beyond the physical death our faith will go beyond death Christianity is a living faith. Christianity is a faith that is hope. For when Christ says, I tell you the truth to a man who is dying, today you will be with me in paradise. That gives us a lot of comfort, a lot of assurance as Christians that Christianity is not a dead faith. Let's look at this conversation that takes place amongst the three characters in this passage. Verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there held insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then finally, the Lord comes in. When, he's, when, when, when he has just asked the Lord a request, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Then the Lord answers him, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. So, this morning, the reactions of the two robbers to suffering, it is something very interesting to look at. How the two robbers, how the two thieves reacted when they were in times of suffering, when they were suffering the pain of crucifixion. What is it 
that is common to these two robbers. I've listed about six things that are common uh, to these uh, 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 robbers as they suffered. One, they were in pain. They were suffering the pain of crucifixion. It is the common denominator there to the two robbers. Number two, these people who were suffering were convicted criminals. They were convicted criminals. The sentence had been passed. You see, it was like we narrated some time before. During this time, uh, uh, the, the, the death of the cross, it was, it was meant to be an example to the people that if you do wrong to society, this is the way you will be punished. You will die a death that will be so public that everyone would see it. So these were convicted criminals. Number three, I want you to listen well. These two robbers, they had participated in the mockery of Jesus. They too had participated. Remember last time we were listing the people who mocked Jesus. These two robbers, they too had participated. Why do we say that? If we look at Matthew 27 from verse 41 to 44, you will see a comment there that said, even the robbers, they mocked Christ. Not only does Matthew 27 tell us that, even if you look at Mark 15 verse 32, you'll find that the robbers that were hung with him, they also held insults. They mocked him. So I am sure this robber who has good words for us to listen to did not only say those words. Initially, they too had mocked Christ. Point number four. They had seen Jesus and the sign that was put there which was saying the king of the Jews. So these robbers, they saw that sign and they, they saw the, all the trouble that was happening there. Remember, the priests later on wanted to go to ask Pilate to rechange the wedding there. Yeah. But Pilate said, what I've written, I've written. So they had also seen this sign, G Jesus, the king of Jews. Point number five, both of these robbers, they heard the words from Jesus' mouth when he prayed the prayer, Father, forgive them. Because the prayer of Christ, Father, forgive them, it takes time earlier before he had this conversation uh, um, uh, uh, that took place on the cross. So Christ had prayed that Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they were doing. They had, they had that sermon, if I may say, that short sermon, or that sort of prayer when Christ prayed. And point number six, these were desperate men and needed to be saved from the imminent death that was coming. So common to these robbers was there were people who were dying who needed to be saved because they were at the point of death. So in analyzing this word that goes before Christ spoke, it helps us to unveil, to have an idea of why, eh, 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 how Christ responded. So let's look at the response of the first thief. The first thief, he held insults at Christ. He added his voice to the mockers who were there. He added his voice to the priests who were mocking Christ, to the elders, to the passers-by who were mocking Christ. His objective was to save his earthly skin. This was the objective 
of this first robber. To him, right and wrong, praise and blame, good and bad were of no interest. He wanted to use Christ. Because he says, are you, if you are the son of God, why don't you help us just to come down from this cross? Uh, John Piper, in one of his sermons, he talks of what is called the Kajek theology. The Kajek theology. You know the Jake that we use in cars. We use it to, when we want to change a flat wheel. If you drive a car without a jack, you are in trouble when your car has a flat tire. So normally, people will keep car jacks in the boot in a place that normally you are not visiting all the time. So, he says, uh, many people regard God as a jake. You only reach out for your car jake when you have got a flat tire. And then when you, when you need the jake, you need it desperately. And then you use it to jake your car. And when you jake your car, you take off the flat wheel and you put in the nice wheel. After that, you are done with the jake, straight again back to the boot where it will gather dust and you don't care about it. So this is the way many, many of the people treat God. This is what John Piper says. He says people only reach out or only reach out to God when they are in suffering, when they are in pain. That's when they discover, when they, 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 need, they need the Lord. This is not the proper way to relate with God. Humankind must not relate this way to God. The thief had no spirit of brokenness and we need to revise the way we relate to God. Here he only wanted to use, this thief wanted to use, he wanted to use Christ to have Christ put away the pain of the cross so that you'd be happy again walking and running around. But let's look at the reaction of the second thief. The, the reaction of the second thief, this is where we leads us to Christ's response. This thief, something happens. I said there's a time lapse from the time when Christ prays the prayer and to the time when the conver this conversation is, is struck. There's some time lapse there. Let's look at the something happening there. There's a spiritual enlightenment, a spiritual illumination that strikes to the second thief. God, the Holy Spirit, works through the heart of this second robber. From his response, he says, it actually starts with, say, but the other criminal rebuked him. Here is the criminal who is rebuking his fellow friend. And he says, don't you fear God? He expresses, number one, there are seven things that I want you to see that happens to this robber. He expresses, number one, he expresses his belief in a future life where judgment would be carried out by a righteous God. Don't you fear God? He's rebuking his other fellow friend. Don't you fear God? So he, he does. Something has happened to him. He's expressing a belief in judgment. 
a belief in God. Number two, he had a sight of his own sinfulness. sinfulness. He tells his other friend, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. This is really, really striking. He had a sight of his own sinfulness. He knew that he was getting what was right for the conduct that he had shown. And point three, he bore testimony to Christ's sinfulness. Look, but this man has done nothing wrong. That is a very, very, very serious uh, uh, confession. This man has done nothing wrong. He becomes the fourth man to testify that Christ was sinless. Remember, there was just uh, 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 hours before Christ was crucified. Judas, he came when he had realized the error of his ways. He said, I have betrayed innocent blood. And he, he threw that money that he had been given back to the, to, 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 to the priest. He was testifying that Christ was innocent. And Pilate, Pilate, he even washed his hands and said, I find nothing wrong with this man. And Pilate's wife, Pilate's wife sends a message to the husband, Pilate, as he stood there in the court, said, please, have nothing to do with that man, righteous man. That man, don't ever do anything with him. So, and then the fourth man to testify becomes this priest, this, this thief on the cross, when he says, and remember, there are people watching, there are priests who are down there, who are looking at at this event as it is unfolding. He says, this man is sinless. He has done nothing wrong. You can see how powerful this confession becomes. Point number four. He confesses uh, uh, the, the Godhead. He confesses that Jesus is God. When he ad addresses to Christ and he says, Lord, remember me. This is a very sharp contrast to the people who were standing beneath, looking at Christ, who were even saying, if you are the son of God, come down. So you can see this was a strong confession that this thief did. He confessed that Jesus is God. He says, Lord, remember me. Point number uh, five. He believed in the saviorhood of the Lord Jesus because he says to the Lord, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. In other words, he, 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 he is placing his trust in Christ. This is really wonderful. He had heard that prayer when Christ was praying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He believed in the saviorhood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number six there, we find that he also has faith in the kingship, in Christ's kingship. Because Christ, he says, when you come into your kingdom, in other words, he believes at that moment in time, the Holy Spirit worked through this man's heart. He believed in the kingship of Christ. So Christ is a king. He has got a kingdom. So when you come into kingdom, he believed that. And this is great confession this man is doing. And finally, Number seven, he looked to the second coming of Christ 
He looked from the pres present to the future. He had the eye of faith uh, that detected Christ's crown. So here is a man who is dying on the cross. But from what he said, we glean a lot of truths about, about uh, Christ's kingdom. I want you to see something here. That is true about our salvation. When the first thing that must happen to those who do not know Christ, here we see a man who was a representative sinner. He stood and identified with us. Before he repented or believed, I've said, there was no difference between the two robbers. They were mockers. The Bible tells us clearly in Romans 3 verse 23, for all men have sinned and come short of the uh, uh, glory of the Lord. We are part, we are part, we are sinners just like this man was. Desperate just like this man was in the sight of God. If you are unsaved today in the sight of God, your condition is as desperate and your heart is as wicked as that of the thief. The first top step towards salvation is that we must accept that we are sinners. He said it clearly. We are being punished justly for what we are. We deserve, this man deserved nothing. We are sinners. This is a very, very important confession. For anybody who has to come to Christ, we have to know that we are sinners born in a womb of sin. We are sinners. This is what this man identified and makes us see that is clear. He was a representative sinner, representative-like in the sense that this is what we are as humankind. Number two, we see that for, for men... It is, it is to man has to come to an end of himself before he can be saved. The helplessness nature of people, the helpless nature of us, we have to come to this knowledge, to this attention that we are helpless before the Lord. We can't save ourselves. After accepting that you are a sinner, realize that you are helpless. You can't save yourself. In fact, we enjoy it a lot. This man was crucified. His hands were nailed to the cross. His legs were nailed to the cross. So he could not use his hands to work out his salvation. He could not use his legs to walk to save himself. But something needed to happen. He needed to empty and use his heart to talk, his mouth to talk. You confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart that Christ is Lord and Savior and that will bring salvation to you. So we see in him, number three here, that after realizing the, that we are sinners, number two, that we are helpless, number three, the prayer of faith, repentance and faith. He prays the prayer of faith. Lord, remember me. This shows how humble his faith was. It's not what we do with our hands. It's not what we do with our feet. 
but it is this prayer of faith that will re-establish a relationship with the Lord. So, those are the three points that we glean when we look at that man's confession. Being a sinner, being helpless, and his prayer of faith and repentance. There is a real change that happens to this man. He has been mocking Christ before, and now he has reached out. Christ reached out to him. Let's look at Christ's response. Christ's response is very interesting. In the Bible, as we have it today, punctuation was introduced later into the biblical manuscripts. Punctuation came later. So in other words, the commas may not be as authoritative. They are not authoritative, let me say. So says uh, uh, Chuck Swindle when he was analyzing that. However, the placement of commas in scripture, it helps us to affect our understanding. Look at this scripture. Did Christ say, I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise? Or did Christ say, I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise? There are two senses that you can make there. Yeah. The first, I alluded to, it says, I'm telling you this today. You will be with me in paradise. Or did he say, I tell you today you will be with me in paradise. So, our learned friends who have analyzed this for us, if you read the major translations, they insert the comma before the word today. If you look at King James Version or the new uh, King James Version, look at most of the translations that we read this morning. They put the comma uh, 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 before. They say, I tell you, huh? comma, today you will be with me in paradise. They agree at the time the thief would enter paradise. In other words, when we look at it that way, when we analyze it, we will see the time Christ was referring to as to the when the 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 the, 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 the this uh, repentant thief would be in paradise. Jesus uses the phrase truly or verily uh, quite a number of times. They say about seventy six times in the New Testament Jesus uses this phrase verily verily or truly 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 I say to you or I tell you in this instance uh, this is Christ's signature statement when he says a very important thing. Uh, so, in this instance, when analyzing that, it would be Christ deviating from the normal to put a, a, a emphasis by saying again, I tell you today, I tell you today. In most of his I tell you statements, in most of his signature statements, he just says I tell you, or truly, or verily. So, the same way, when we are looking at this scripture, when Christ says, I tell you today, he is not saying, I tell you uh, today. He is saying, I tell you, comma, today you will be with me in paradise. 
this is a briefly analyzing that statement for us. And the implications from analyzing that statement for us, it is our hope of salvation today. It is our hope and our joy that makes Christianity a solid living faith different from other faith, religions. Because in Christ, when Christ was saying to the robber, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Christ was saying, I am going and I will be meeting you immediately. After you die, I will be meeting you in heaven. Here we see Jesus as the God-man, our Savior. He's showing his human sympathy. He's expressing his compassion. He chose not to listen to the mocking voices, but to a prayer of the contrite man. There were people who were mocking Christ, who were, show, who were saying whatever. And even that robber was still continuing to add salt to injury about Christ. And now Christ chose, amongst all those people, these mourners, these coffers, he chose to listen to one man who had this request, Lord, remember me. At this heavy time, he chose to illustrate his readiness and his power to save sinners. He knew that this man's uh, uh, um, request was true. It was coming from a repentant heart and he needed forgiveness and mercy. Here we are seeing Christ as the God-man. Here, which is very, very important to us, I want you to see the destination of Christians at death. Christ is giving us something solid, something, a hope that is not parallel to any other religion in this world. The Gospels indicate that Jesus didn't die before the two criminals. He, he, Jesus died before the two criminals, the physical death. Jesus died earlier than the two criminals. If you go to John chapter 19, you will see something interesting there. The people, when they came, the soldiers, when they came, they saw, ah, Jesus had long died. He died earlier before the two criminals. So in other words, they did not break his bones because he had already died. But the two robbers, they had to break their bones. So in other words, when Christ was saying to this guy, to this robber, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Christ was saying, I'm going there first. I'll welcome you when you come. I'll be waiting for you. So this is what we can say about that. Very, very interesting to the repentant criminal. These two people are hearing the same, same one, Father, forgive them. But this other one chooses to, to mock Christ. And this other one, he gets converted. He says to him, really, this man has done nothing wrong. And he takes it further when he says, Lord, remember me making that in fact he's confessing the lordship of Christ so when he does that Christ tells him I tell you the truth it's a signature statement of Christ when he says I tell you the truth truly truly or verily verily I will be with you in paradise the destination of Christians when they die 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8, he says, As long as we are at home in this body, we are away from the Lord. Philippians 1, 22 to 24, which was taught to us here. He says, Paul says, I, 
I, I, I wish to depart, to be with Christ, because it's far better than the current life. I want you to, if you believe the way I believe, the way the scripture is saying, if you are a Christian, there is much, much hope. Much, much, much hope. When you pass on, it's a, like a transition. You are going to be with the Lord. It's far better. Paul says it's much, much far better than the current life. And it's not a coincidence that during the transfiguration, Moses and Elijah, they appear to talk with Christ. Our, our faith is a living faith. Why would Moses, who had died hundreds of years, why would Elijah, who had died hundreds of years, appear with, with Christ there? Is it just a ghost, an apparition? I don't think so. It means our faith is a living faith. The story of the rich man, of Lazarus and the rich man when they died, Christ said that story. And it dif it's different from the parables because these are specific names and specific areas that Christ talked about, which gives us hope of a life after this life. This is why our faith is to be, it's, it's a great faith. Christianity is a great faith. Number three point about Christ's response. Christ longs for fellowship with his saved ones. He didn't say, today I will be, you will be in paradise. He didn't say that. He said, today you will be with whom? With me, where? In paradise. A very, very important point. Christ longs for fellowship with his saved ones. Christ says, First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, he talks about we are called into the fellowship of his son. And one word which is, comes up again in John 14, when we are singing that Christ says, I'm going there to prepare you a, a place so that where I am, you may be also. So Christ longs for fellowship with his saved ones. So these are the three uh, uh, points that come out clear in Christ's response to this request. Christ he, he longs to be in fellowship with his saved ones. Let me conclude by saying, if you haven't committed your life to Christ, why wait for another day? Today is the day. When you die, will you go to meet with Christ? If you cannot answer that question, please, I would urge you to give your life to Christ and consider it again. This man, he was promised to meet in Christ after his death. Any Christian who is here, you must have a solid assurance that if you believe, when you pass on, death is just a transition. To the Christian, you must save your Lord with more vigor. For you hold the hope that many in the world don't have. Many in the world don't see. Christ is our hope of salvation. Jesus was numbered with the transgressors so that sinners like you and me and the thief might be numbered with the redeemed. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for the wonderful response that you gave to the sinner who repented. You assured him 
when you said truly you would be with him in paradise we thank you god for the same assurance you bring it to us and thank you god for our living faith i pray for each individual who is in here lord assure us of our salvation help us oh god to save you with more vigor thank you god for what you did on the cross for us we'll ever be grateful for we have prayed in jesus name amen